This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So again, wonderful to have you here. And, and again, thinking about like a new year and, and God's constantly giving us this ability to, to, to start again. You know, to, to think, yeah, you know, I want to make some adjustments. Now's a great time of year to do it. So I was trying to think, what do I want to offer people at the beginning of the year as a community that we can look at? And I thought three simple steps to start with. The first one is saying yes to less. That's what we're going to look at today is, is how for a lot of us, we feel sort of like, uh, you know, tired, right? How many of us feel tired on occasion? Not just on January 1st because you were up way too late, but just, you just feel tired, you know, like you got, you got a thousand commitments going out a thousand, a thousand different directions, and you just know that somehow you just want to sort of pull it all in. You just want to sort of pull it on. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And then next week, we're going to be talking about a big one. Say no to, say no to angry. So bring all your angry friends next week. It'll be a great service for them because I know you've got anger, uh, anger totally under control. Um, you know, we're going to talk about that. How do we, how do we sort of work with that and saying no to bitterness and really saying no to anger. And then the last one is joining community. And that's our Martin Luther King Day celebration, usually one of our most significant services of the year. So that's what we're going to look at are these three basic steps. Now, I'm going to get at this kind of a different way. Like, if you think, I say this all the time, we're going to New Jersey, but to get to New Jersey, I'm going to go to Ohio for a minute. All right? So, so we're going to kind of do a circuitous route to get to where we want to go. And I want to start out with this circuitous route with a question, and I'd ask you to share it with the neighbor or to text in an answer to me, especially our online audience. I'd love to hear from you. It's a very basic question. Here it is. When I leave a church function which means a Sunday service, a small group meeting, uh, community service outing, social event, whatever it is. When, when you leave one, and I, I want to sort of contextualize that and say we could ask this of any other church, synagogue, mosque, a really good nonprofit. You probably end up with a lot of the same answers. But we're going to look at it for here. When I leave a church function, a Sunday service, small group meeting, community service outing, I most often feel dot, dot, dot. All right? If, if you say confused, I'm going to find you after church. Uh, whatever it is for you. Like, like you know, we had a group go down to St. Francis, and how did that feel to get that done? Or, or somebody who comes to church and really enjoys it. Like, how does that feel? Or, or, or somebody who enjoyed a small group opportunity. How did that feel coming out of it? So please take 60 seconds, either discuss or text in an answer to me to that question. Please share. All right, folks, thank you for sharing that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pull those answers and, and uh, you know, sort of try to summarize them when we come back for the second half of the service. Because I think with our commitments, right, we, we need to look at our commitments in life and figure out what are the ones where we actually feel inspired and joyous, connected, light, thoughtful, filled with gratitude and grace, stronger, uplifted, grounded at the same time. <laughs> you know, we need to figure out what those commitments are in our life and really start to focus on that because I think with our commitments, they kind of can come down to these, these two. And this is a slide I take a picture of because I think it's really important. When we assess honestly the time, we give away to our various commitments. So, so our time, when we have a commitment, we give time to it. I love the phrase, love, love, love the phrase. Some of you've heard me say this before, the phrase pay attention. Because when we pay attention to us, literally it costs us something. Like we have to give something over to put our attentiveness there. And that's what a commitment does. 
do we find behind it a divinely, please say the I word there, a divinely inspired soul? That first thing. So do we, do we find some inspiration in this? A soul that is growing in grace or in, or in strength. Now I like those last two because not all commitments feel good all the time. Not all commitments feel good all the time. Some of our most cherished commitments to family, to loved ones, do those always feel good? I bet you at least twice this holiday season it didn't. But it's still, you can still sense where, well, you know, if I do just go to dinner and Aunt Marge gives me a kiss and I don't frown, it'll be okay. You know, I could just commit to that because I know that somehow there's a strengthening there of my soul as I reach out gracefully towards hers. Or do we find instead a spent and weary soul? Let's say the two words there. Weary soul, losing steam by the day. One quick exercise, folks, I would, I would tell you, you know, I might take a look at, would be list your commitments and then go back and, and just have, have two sort of columns there. Okay, here's my commitment. Does it leave me feeling inspired, growing in grace, stronger? Or does it leave me feeling spent, weary, and losing steam? That's pretty big. Because when we end up over in that area where, where it's losing steam, boy, it's just tough. Right? It's tough sledding. That's the email when you look at it. It's like, oh, my goodness. That's the phone call you don't pick up. And it better not be from me. You know, that's the phone call. You're like, I'm not answering that bad boy. You know, ever. And, you know, again, like, again, I get people have to put phone calls off for a while. But, you know, that, that, that bit of like, I'm never, never answering, never replying, never texting back, never doing anything. Those are the ones where it really costs us. And we know when we step into the opposite. You know, yesterday uh, was a, you know, was a great day. My daughter, I, I get up and she has, she has fixed me breakfast. And it's like a mound of eggs, too many eggs actually, but a mound of eggs with a piece of cold toast. And, and so I asked my wife, I said, honey, what's up? And she said, she wants you to take her to Cabela's today. Now, Cabela's, Cabela's is a sporting goods store about an hour and 20 minutes away. They, there's two things there that she loves, a small little shooting range and fudge. So, you know, let's see, that takes me through the whole day. Also, for those of you who know what team was playing yesterday and lost, Penn State was playing. I'm a big Penn State fan, and so it meant like no game. But, but you know, I did the right thing. It was a beautiful day. A beautiful day. See, see, that's a commitment where I can give it over to, and I came out far more charged up than I would have sitting at home watching Penn State lose for way too many times. That's, that's what we're talking about here. How do we actually start to make those decisions? Because I think they are incredibly important. What I want to do, folks, now is, is, is kind of really pull this home in a way that I think is very significant. And, and I, you know, as a pastor, it's easy to sort of lapse into believing everything you say is significant. You know, like every sentence should end with an exclamation point. But this one really is. It really is significant. 
Because I, I want it's, it's, it gets to the future of New Church Live, it gets to the future of Christianity, it gets to, to our own individual spiritual lives, it gets to how we can create worlds in new ways, and, and how we can understand commitment in a far different way. Now, now to really be able to drive this home, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to step off the stage as we put a slide up here about what the ordinary life looks like. So in our world, we, 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 we have our ordinary life. That, that ordinary life, those, those are the basics. And, and these basics are really good. Work, family, health, wealth, longevity. Those are, those are basic things that almost everybody shares. Somebody, people want to have a, want to do work. They, they want to have a, a family connection, loved ones. Uh, they want to be healthy. They want to have some sort of material uh, abundance for the most part. And they want to live a long life. Like that's basics. That's the ordinary life. This is what Adam Smith, way back in the 1700s, again, I'm a history geek. This is what he said people are after. Now the problem becomes this. The problem becomes is we have this normal thing. And we have this part of us called the ego. This part of us that is fearful, self-centered, uh, vengeful. Just, it's, it's not you at your best. It's Scrooge. It's the Grinch. It's Lucy and Charlie Brown. Like, it's, it's, it's that part of us that just, we're not proud of it. But it's that part of us that, that where we really are limited. It's, it's our shadow self. Now the challenge, folks, becomes is that the ego can grab a hold of these things. And the ego is driven by just accumulation and possession. Ready for a big polysyllabic word? Could you give me a big yes? All right. The word is insatiable. Could we say that together? Insatiable. Insatiable. The ego is insatiable. No matter how much money you make, it's not enough until you have one dollar more. No matter how good your health is, it's not good enough until you're just that one little bit more healthy. Folks, with family, family's an interesting one, right? Because a lot of people are like, Chuck, you're messing with family. Don't mess with my family. But I've seen ego take over family. I've worked with couples before where where there's a family of origin where the family is so tight-knit, so tight-knit and so all about the family, 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 that it leaves the partner out here as some orbiting planet that can just observe versus being involved in. Again, that doesn't disparage family. It just means if the ego gets a hold of family, it can really be a challenge. I think all of us have been in family situations where there was just too much control, too much codependence. And that's what the ego does. Uh, you know, and you think about longevity, like longevity where, where people do crazy, like they're freezing their brains and stuff. I, what do they call that? There's a name for that. Cryogenics. I was going to use the word silly, but we'll say cryogenics. Um, you know, like freezing their body because they want to come back alive when they're in a 90-year-old body when they don't know anybody. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't quite get it, but, but you see, like, that's the ego, you know, wanting to, to create its own eternal life. You can imagine, folks, that that can be a place where where it, it, that insatiability eventually starts to grind us down. Like, I want to go back to those words again. If we go to that insatiable place, we will end up spent, weary, and losing steam. You, you just will, because there is no filling that hole that keeps on getting larger and larger. 
New Church holds something a little different, that we can have our ordinary life, but what we can do is we can kind of shift the context of it. And the context is based on a higher self, on a higher self. Where what I'm able to do is I'm able to look at these things in my life and I'm able, listen carefully here, listen carefully. I'm able to, to wash these through the context of serving the other. Of serving the other. Where I get like, oh, this isn't actually about me. It's, it's hard, like there's, there's a part where I've been wanting to say it, I don't know whether it's going to come across right, so if it doesn't, I apologize. Talk to Ruth Clouser, president of our board, if you don't like it. The, uh, it, it you know, it's like, like one of the things I got, I got clear on for me, is ready for this? I got clear on my money isn't mine. Guys, right now, somebody's going like, recoiling, going, I told you he was going to ask for money. Uh, I got, my money isn't mine. Not mine. I don't own it. It's, it's something that I can use in service to other people in need, to others who struggle. And in so doing, I feed my higher self and I feed God. But it's a very different sort of thing to do. It moves me away from the insatiability and all the obsessions that go over there into a new place where I'm just starting to see things in a new way and it all becomes a gift. It all becomes about flow. Now, now this is important. My ordinary life might not change a lick. Listen carefully. My ordinary life might not change a bit. My experience of my ordinary life will be transformed. You see what I mean? Well, I really want to drive that home. My ordinary life might not change. My experience of my ordinary life may change dramatically. Now, how many of us in here are looking for that kind of transformation? <laughs> you know, we're just in our ordinary life, and it's just like, man, I'm feeling spent, run out of steam, like, oh. I just, I just need to somehow shift this in a different way to see things differently. Now, now here's, here's a couple of things I want to share with that, quotes that are beautiful. What happens is that we subordinate the ordinary life to the higher life, and listen to this line here. Even my ordinary life becomes, listen carefully here, folks, a valued expression of ultimate commitments. Can we say that together? A valued expression of ultimate commitments. So you see my life in its ultimate form, and it becomes an expression of my ultimate commitment. What do I, what do I really consider the most important? Not the most entertaining, not the most fun, not the most whatever, not the most yeehaw, but, but what, what are those ultimate commitments in my life? Because when I can go there, I find a joy that is so deep and rich and sober and incredible. Incredible that my life begins to transform in wondrous ways. Now, as the band comes out, I want you to think about how if we live our life like that, all of a sudden it, it, it shifts for us and we start to see a life that becomes inspired, graceful, and growing in strength. Interesting. Like, again, the, the middle part stays the same in a lot of ways, but, but we just feel a strength growing, a grace growing. I, I, you know, I love the word an inspiration starting to grow in our lives. Those are the places to start to make commitments. Like, like there's the part to start to focus in on. What is that? 
what is that? And I'm going to give you a hint. Salt. <laughs> salt. Rebecca's going to sing about salt, a beautiful song here on salt. You know, it's about salt. A beautiful sort of salt of life, a flavoring of life. Salt isn't the whole meal, but, it's, but, it, but it starts to pull us into these, this rich flavoring that we can have in our lives. God-given. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what that means. So here's the list here, folks, you, you came up with. Connected wins. Connected, oneness, perspective, love. This is from your son, Jenny. Happy birthday, Mom. Lord talking to me, energize, ease and calm, refreshed, community, good, inspired, joyous, uplifted and grounded. And someone said, and I think it's true too, like sometimes we feel these things, sometimes we feel the opposite. That's okay too. But you can see how this is a different way of living the ordinary life. Like this is just a different way of doing it. And it's, it's, it's a very powerful way of doing it. And it gives a totally different perspective on how we see things and, and how things start to move in our life. And it, it's a great testimony for, again, for, for why, why church, religion, faith can be so important. And we live in an age where it's just, like, it's almost embarrassing to say that. I find that, you know, that for a lot of people, it's like, I can't, church, you gotta be kidding me. You know, uh, yeah, look at what you folks says, say that it does. And I think, again, like, we share that with many, many other bodies of belief. But it's significant, and that's salt. Now, I want to get started on this conversation of honing in on salt and what it means by, by reading a few things out of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount was a, was a place where Christ actually offers a sermon, and somebody scribes it down. In other words, he preaches. And he did this, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, because he says he went up to a mountain, and then he started preaching, and this is what he said. Now, what I want to do is I want to start out by just passing the microphone around and letting people read different parts of what's called the Beatitudes. It's how the Sermon on the Mount starts. There's eight things where he says these are, these are blessings. Now, what's, what's significant, again, about the Beatitudes is it, it totally gives you sort of a counter flip. And I want you to hear it in each other's voices. It was interesting. A couple of weeks ago, we did this for the first time. We passed around the microphone, and I had a call from New York and a call from Boston, Massachusetts, from people saying it was so great hearing other people's voices because they can't actually see you, so when they can hear you, it's, they, they feel more connected. So that's why I want to do this. I want to give you a chance to just read it as I pass around the mic. So what we're going to do, we're going to pull the lights up just a hair. We're going to put the Beatitudes up here on the screen, and I'm going to come around with a microphone. So if you'd like to read one of the eight Beatitudes, just raise your hand. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be com comforted. These are professional readers over here. Number three. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth.
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Beautiful. Number five. Who'd like to read number five? Blessed are who merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Marcus and I have been joking about how we have the battery with eternal life. Marcus, it just died. So, so those beatitudes, so those beatitudes, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Quick switch out here. You guys have seen Indy Pit Cruise? Wait till you see Marcus here. Look at that. Give him a round of applause. All right. So, you know, beautiful when you hear them, right? Beautiful, beautiful when you hear them. And then Christ goes on to say, so, so he kind of pulls us into this leveled place. Now, a leveled place, folks, it's about taking the top down. You take the top down, and if you take the bottom, if you take the top down, that means you must bring the bottom up. And that's a beautiful part of the Beatitudes. I've, you know, they're both sort of like saying, calling us to humility, so bringing us down, and at the same time, calling us up. So that's where it starts is with this leveling. And and then it goes on to say this about salt. Beautiful, beautiful line here from Matthew 5. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Have you ever heard that, that saying before? Oh, they're just salt of the earth. We've heard that. That's where we get it from that line. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And here's Christ, or if he would have said that with a smile, he's not out to punish salt. It's no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. In other words, to be spread on the highway when it's icy. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful line. And here he's saying, he's saying, yeah, you know, salt of the earth. So these are hard pieces maybe to put together, but, it, but I just want you to think about it. So he levels us off. And he's talking to people who are, who are largely disadvantaged, as well as some people who were the leaders at that time. And he said, you're the salt of the earth. Like, if you get this, you truly are the salt of the earth. If you think of that, of that, of that food, you know, food with salt on it, the food is like our ordinary life. 
The salt is that extra dimension, that next thing that we can do that can, that can just make our ordinary lives so much richer and fuller and transformed and, and far, far more loving. Now, I want to show you a graph that can talk about that, and then we're going to hone in on what that salt means. So, so a bunch of trinities out there in the world, trines that you can look at. One that I find particularly useful from New Church is the idea of love, wisdom, and service. Love, wisdom, and service. Let's say those three together. Love, wisdom, and service. And you can look at these kind of as two different ways. You can look at sort of what I love and what I know kind of point me to what I should do with my life. And that's a very good way to do that. But I want to look at it a little differently in terms of, you know, how the three sort of combine. And and this is something I think that gives us the idea of salt. There are those things I love, in other words, far over on the left towards the L, but maybe I'm no good at them. I mean, I, I, I love music. I, I love hearing music. I'm no good at it. I don't, I don't have any wisdom around it. So because of that, can I really serve the audience with music? Can I serve you the way Rebecca and Ray and those guys can serve you? Can I? Please say no. No, I, I cannot serve you that way. I'm thinking of Rock to the Future here. You know, I cannot serve you that way. And it's the same with service. There's lots of kinds of service that I can do, but if I don't have love or wisdom around them, I'm not really going to be able to do it. Like I used to be, unbeknownst to many people, I used to be an electrician, right? Well, I don't particularly love that anymore, uh, and I don't particularly have a lot of knowledge around it anymore. So I can't. I'm not, if you call me up and ask me to rewire your house, I'm going to say no. I really can't offer you much there. And then there's those things which, which I have wisdom, but I don't necessarily have a lot of love. Like when I used to teach American history, people would come up with like these stump questions like, all right, Chuck, who was the vice president for the 12th president of the United States? And I would think for a minute and I'd go, I got the name. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I don't care. It, it, yeah, sure, I know that stuff. I really don't know the vice president. But, but if I did, it, it just doesn't matter to me. It, it's a wisdom I have with no love. But where it all comes together is in the middle. Say it loud with me, folks. When we find the salt, when we find the salt, where we find that piece where it's just like, oh, and I think that's what Christ is saying. Like, you are the salt of the earth. Find it in. Pull your life in. Pull your life in tightly so that you've learned to say yes to less. Where your ordinary life, you've, you've pulled it into this perspective that, that it really it kind of makes yeses and noes pretty easy to do because you know those places where you come alive. Now the question becomes, again, how do we do this? How do we find a valued expression? How do we make our lives a valued expression of ultimate concerns? Well, here are some real simple ideas of ways to say yes to less. First off, being impeccable with your words. You know, don't, don't, how many of us are guilty of this? Like, where you don't want to say no, so you say, I'll think about it. All guilty raise their hand. You know, just if, if the answer is going to be no, just say no. Just say no. Nicely. <laughs> Nicely. And if you really do need time to think about it, say, I just, I need time to think about it. So being impeccable with your words. Number two, this one's big. Limited but strong. Let's say those three words. Limited but strong. Limited but strong with your commitments. So I'm only going to be committed to a few things. But those few things, I'm really going to be committed to. 
in a very deep, rich, and meaningful way. Oh. Can I take a risk? A little risk? I need, I need, uh, I need one big strapping volunteer, uh, Greg Swarzynski, to come up front. All right, come on up, Greg. I'm going to be over here for the cameras. I'm going to be over here. You're going to see the magic of paralysis here. Excuse me, <laughs> move over there. Buddy. All right. Let's get this plant out of the way. All right, please be seated. <laughs> yes, excellent. So put your feet right here. Kids, you can do this at home. All right? I'm going to paralyze Greg so he will not be able to get up out of this chair and I'll be able to do it with my thumb. All right? Now watch. Okay, Greg, now stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Totally paralyzed, right? Stumped. Stumped. So now you move your feet back to wherever you're comfortable. Now stand up. Okay, keep on moving. There you go. All right. Give him a round of applause, folks. Makes sense. That's it. Good job. Thank you. See, isn't that cool? Like, I geek out at that all the time when I get to do that. See, all it is is, is like I'm just trying to, I'm trying to sort of limit my commitments. I'm just trying to adjust a little bit. Because how many of us feel like we have so many commitments, we feel paralyzed and we don't get anything done? Right? I heard somebody go, shh, yep. I get it. Brother, sister, I get it. This is about like, let me pull that into that, where that salt is, so that I have leverage to move forward. This one's big. Number three, disciplined about your time. And the second one's really important. Now the second T one there. Disciplined about your time and... Technology, be disciplined about technology. <laughs> Not easy to do, but be disciplined about your use of technology. I don't have a lot of salt experiences when I'm on my phone constantly. Now, maybe you do. I don't. And I find that that tends to pull me out instead of pulling me in. Next, selective about your friendships. Now, notice I did not use the word judgmental. Judgmental. I use the word selective, and selective doesn't mean like, you go away. <laughs> you are with me. Good guys, bad guys, it's not that kind of sorting. It just means I only have so much energy to put in to so many relationships. It's why, folks, again, small groups are so important, because the pastor cannot be everybody's best friend. Like, but, but you know, the small groups can do that. So, so there's, there tends to be like, yeah, I'm just going to be selective about it. Like I can only put my energy in X number of places and I got to be clear. And that gets back to the first one about like being true to your word. And if you can't really do that, you know, if somebody who, who's kind of on the edge and you'd like to reach out to them, but you really can't because you just know it's time and they ask and you're, you're just, you just got to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I, you know, this isn't going to work at this time. I, I just, I'm not able to take this on right now. Again, it's pulling in, pulling into the salt. And this one's so big. This one's so big. This one like to make you teary because I think it's that important. We move from fragmentation toward, say the last few words, we move from fragmentation toward unity of purpose. Where our lives don't feel totally discombobulated anymore. We've learned to say yes to less, and that has kind of pulled it in and pulled it in, given us that experience of being salt. Now, salt is not the whole meal, 
We're just doing our bit. We're adding our spice to it. Maybe your spice is Old Bay and, and salt doesn't work, but, but add your Old Bay then. I don't care. Like, like what your salt is, like find that place. Do the work to find that place. Get into the conversation to find that place. We get to discover it, but, but New Church holds that we can never do it ourselves. We need to both re- have other people reflect back with us because maybe they see something that we don't. And life starts to get so, so good in that place. It's not about holding this either, folks, as one more commitment. Like, if you go out of here and your list of things, and now you're going to add, I feel ashamed that I'm overcommitted, you're missing it. See, it's about living in that space of connectedness, oneness, perspective, love, uh, the Lord talking to you, energized, ease, calm, refreshed, community, feeling good, feeling inspired, feeling joyous, feeling uplifted, feeling grounded. It's about trying to live into that space more and more and more and more. And here's something important to remember. That is God's intention. That is God's intention. That's where God is pulling you. And we have a lot that we have to sort of give up to do that. But that's where he's going with you in 2016. That's what he wants you to feel more and more of, even when circumstances are incredibly trying. Now, I think it's important as well, folks, you know, that that we not take it like too seriously. Do we all know people who are so religious, so seriously religious, they're a downer to be around? You know, like, I, I firmly believe, like, if your religion is, is, is filled with a lot of being a downer, you got a leak in your religion. You know, religion, religio, we have some first-time attendees here, little sermonette, religio, the Latin for it, means to reconnect. So, of course, when you're doing religion the right way, you feel reconnected. Of course, that's how it works. And we can do that with joy. We don't have to have like this big, serious, not every question is a huge question. Sometimes it's just a fun question. As you see here in this very funny video from the Dalai Lama. My question for you is, if you had lived your entire life until this moment as a mute, and you only had one moment to speak, what would be the message you would share? That's a silly question. <laughs> of course, this would depend on the circumstances. If uh, that occasion, at that very moment, feel very hungry, then say, oh, I want some food. (laughs) What's the next question? (laughs) (laughs) You know, just his face like, Okay, you got, you got to smile at that. And I, I think that's the way faith can be. It can be this joyous, joyous, joyous experience. It does need commitment, though. And it needs discipline. 
You know, like any good thing, you know, if it's going to gain you strength and leave you inspired, it takes commitment, it takes discipline. I think that's why we gather in church bodies. And we don't need to be afraid about saying it takes those things. Commitment and discipline, if they are done not from the ego, but from our higher self, a commitment to pull the world forward, a commitment and a discipline of how do we gather so we can serve people more and more effectively, serve people both in the congregation and outside. That's a joy-filled, that's a joy-filled conversation. Very different than an ego-driven conversation around it, where commitment and discipline sort of sound like bondage. We're not talking bondage. We're talking joy. We're talking meaning. We're talking purpose in 2016. So to summarize this all, like this is how I would pull this all together. I would say, level yourself, focus and adjust. Let's say that together. Level yourself, focus and adjust. If you find yourself, you're just, you're, you're, you're thinking you're all that, bring yourself down a little bit. Bring yourself down a little bit. If you're feeling like you're tending to wallow in a lot of pity, bring yourself up. You're never that good, and you're never that bad. We're always, all of us in this room are a mix, a beautiful mix. So level yourself. And then focus. So I level myself, and let me focus in on like, where is that salt? I mean, what a great question to have. I don't know if you're taking your family to Bertucci's for lunch after this. You know, maybe just go around the table and say, well, what's your salt? What's the salt in your life right now? When Chuck talked about that middle place, what's that middle place for you where you come alive? Where you come alive? And then adjust. Figure out how to say yes to less. I'm not asking, I don't think, because I don't think people would. I, I don't think you come up with a list of 20 things, 20 things you're committed to and sort of go, well, I'm going to give myself three, I'm lopping off 17. That's amputation. It's not what I'm recommending. I'm just saying we go into the year just aware of I'm going to say yes to less. And the less is going to be of that salt. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. That's what to think about in 2016. Simple steps. And, and, and folks, like I do want to invite you to, like, and this is again, like this is this is a little tricky language-wise. I, I do in, I do want to invite you too to think about like really getting into being part of this church. I mean, look at what people are reporting. Right now, now of course, I know it's it's preaching to the choir. The people who didn't find that aren't here. <laughs> you know, I, I own that, I get that. But but notice what can be found. And this can be found in a church, a synagogue, a mosque, can be found in a, in a nonprofit, can be found all over the place. But find that place to commit and have discipline. So you're not just left living your ordinary life in a way that just is in, where, where all the needs of that ordinary life are insatiable. Because I think there's great worth when we can live a life that evidences our ultimate commitments that evidences our ultimate commitments. I mean, that's a life to be proud of. That's a life to share. That's a life that will make a difference in this life. So thank you folks very much. Welcome to 2016. Can we say Happy New Year one more time? Happy New Year. Have a blessed 2016. I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer.
Again, a quick reminder, if you're interested in a small group, please go across the office. If you're interested to going meeting with the planning team, please join us as well if you'd like to do that. And with this prayer, just be thinking again, like 2016, yes to less. Please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, please help us to find some way within our ordinary life to find that place where we can make commitments to living at a higher level. A commitment, Lord, evidenced by our concern for our other, not our obsession with the other, not our running ourselves ragged over the other, but that simple concern. A concern, Lord, that comes from a level placed, a place of focus, and a place, Lord, where we can adjust our lives, adjust our sails in such a way is to make the most difference in these precious few years that we have on this earth. Precious and few. Allow 2016, Lord, to be known by those words, precious, precious, precious. A year, Lord, where we can choose to do some things differently. A year, Lord, where we can choose to invite you into our lives in more and more whole ways so that we come alive, Lord, so we come to life more and more and more. Lives that show our ultimate commitments. And I say it with a smile, Lord, please pass the salt. Pass the salt, Lord, into our lives. Pass that flavoring into our lives so that we can find that place of flourishing. In your name, in 2016, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.